a lot of windows here. Just arranging. All right. I'm all set. Huh. Um, hi, everybody. We're back. It's us, your friends at Reconcilable Differences. Um, boy, this doc is a mess. We should talk about this. Did you, did you contact our, uh, our potential guest? I did. Are you, are you still massaging that? No, it's locked in. I, I had mentioned you to try to pull you into the conversation. Is that on Slack? Yeah. Um, I open that at least twice a week. Uh, we're going to have a special member episode. Uh, is a thing that we do, I think, once a year. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And uh, we don't have uh, challenges. We have topics. <clears throat> and then once a year or so, we usually have a guest. And uh, people who uh, are supporting uh, our project at uh, relay.fm slash rd will get treated to a um, member episode with a guest who I think you will really enjoy hearing from. And as John likes to remind you, when you get our stuff, you also get uh, all the other stuff. Isn't that right, John? Sell them on this. And you also get all of our past members only episodes with all of our past guests. Some all the great guests. We're wonderful. Yeah. So now's a good time to sign up to get those member episodes. And that means we're probably going to have to record an extra episode next week. Just FYI, Merlin. Spoilers okay, for what is I'll waiting, what is waiting <laughs> for you in Slack. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm working on a project right now where I don't look at things as much. All right. Well. But uh, no, no, no. You're right. You're right to chastise me for missing my app mention. But, uh, yeah, I got to turn a lot of things off. I got, I got too much going on, you know, it's a project I'm working on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't say it was good for everybody, but, uh, yeah. So anyway, and John won't say it because he's awfully taciturn, but I'm going to say, Hey, I really appreciate you guys giving us money because it helps us pay for things in our lives when you uh, pay for podcast things. So thank you for that. And maybe someday you'll be able to buy, buy this show on uh, an Apple, I guess. I don't. I didn't understand that announcement really. Yeah, it's very, it's very confusing. It was an Apple event today as we record this. It's all going to be old yes. news by the time you hear it, but there was an Apple event today and there are many questions about whatever they're doing with podcasts. And I looked at some of their documentation and it's just even more confusing <laughs> when you like, like the documentation is up for confusing and like, it's, it's not exact. It's, is it general or incomplete? No, like or? The, the documentation is like, here's, so here's the screenshots of our new interface. And if you're a podcast creator, here's how you do this. Here's how you do that step by step. Right. And you would think that would be illuminating, but it is not. <laughs> it's very confusing. Is it like a Patreon ish thing? And they take a cut. No, is that the idea? no, it doesn't seem like it's like that at all. Well, how would you describe what you understand of it? I mean, you, you'll, you know what? Never mind. You'll talk about this. I, I think basically show. it's like, you know how you can do stuff with your Apple ID? Like you can pay for things and Apple knows who you are and stuff like that. As far as I can tell, it's like this, but for podcasts. But the the production part of it, like if you're a podcast creator, how do you how do you make it so that someone can oh. sign up for a subscription? And then how do you make it so that they get the episodes they're supposed to get? Basically, they're trying to build more or less what Relay already has. Listener, if you're listening to this now and you're a member, you've already yeah. got what Apple's pitching. Only the Apple thing may yeah. be exclusive to Apple and may only work in the Apple podcast. If, if, we, if we don't have it, you don't need you don't need it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. It seems very kind of. And of course, Apple takes 30 percent of everything because, of course, but 30 percent of that, too. But yeah, of course. I mean, they got to have their cut, but it's just, it looks Woof. very like you say, okay, maybe they take 30%, but it's really easy. No, they take 30% and it's really hard for the, for the podcast. Do you creator. need like a Dun and Bradstreet and all that stuff? Is that still a thing? I don't know if you need I'm sorry. I, I, I'm talking out of my butt, but it seems yeah. to me I heard a long time ago that for the, the like seemingly simple thing of I've got an app I want to sell for 99 cents that I made for fun. I made a, I made an app with feed on it and I want to sell it. 
you have to get like registered with somebody and get like yeah that's a bit of a hassle and i'm assuming this is the same amount of hassle just to get paid at all but that's just kind of a one-time thing it's sort of the ongoing like okay well what do i do what does my production workflow look like what rss feeds do i have to maintain what files do i have to upload through what web interface and how mm-hmm. careful do i have to be about matching them up and you know it's it's very confusing like hmm. that's why the people who build their own systems, whether it be like ATP, we have our own membership system. Relay has its own membership system. Yeah. Incomparable has its own. If you build it yourself, you understand how the different parts work and you can like fix them if they're broken or tweak the workflow. But at this Apple thing, you know, at least the app store is simple. You upload it, it goes through app review and either goes in the store or it doesn't. But this looks much harder than than the app store. And you can only get the you can get only get the unlocked paid for content through Apple Podcasts or similar. Like, I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah. That's one mm-hmm. of the questions I would like answer. But it seems like it would have to be the case, right? Because otherwise, how does it know who you are? It has not, you know, our podcasts on RSS are not an authenticated thing. Like when you get mm-hmm. a request, that's why people have to build membership systems. We have to like log into Relay and get your special member feed and, you know, all that other stuff. But I don't think there are special, there's no, I don't think it's like specific feeds for specific users. I think you just use the Apple podcast app and it figures out that what your Apple ID is. And instead of getting the real feed, you get the members one. I don't know. It's so confusing. I get it. That, yeah, I guess so. I just it just seems like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll wait till you guys talk about it on the other show. But yeah, yeah. And as I mentioned to you today, I think I'm uh, I think I'm cool to wait a while. Colonel Panic's not withstanding. That's probably on me. But I'm I think I'm just gonna go with hooking up my Mac Mini. I'm gonna try using that for my daily driver, and I'm very excited about it. Yeah, because you like the fancy computers, and these aren't the fancy ones. I think I do. Uh, I'm certainly not attracted by the colors. Um, well, you can get it in gray. I mean, yeah, yeah, but it, it, you know, this is not going to be a popular opinion. I know. See, see, your friend Marco and I uh, both agree that what's the word he uses? Delight. You know, to me, delight. Mm-hmm. I think, as he said, best typified in some ways by the breathing light on your MacBook uh, Pro that would tell you that it's charging. You know, that heartbeat mm-hmm. kind of. Just little things like that. I love little things like that, but I don't find color things to be because I'm not. I'm not like other people, right? I'm, mm-hmm, sure. uh, and so like I'm just speaking for myself. But like that is certainly not enough of a draw for me to get a phone or a, uh, or or uh, in this case a computer. But but the Mac Mini rules. It's such a good computer. You've got such colorful, articulated figures in your workspace, but you don't like colorful computers, huh? How's that phrase? Well, I don't dislike them, but I don't know if I want to look at a purple computer all day. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't have a strong opinion about that. Just suffice to say, I was extremely relieved that having bought several of the wrong computers and then mm-hmm. eventually having gotten the right computers, uh, what I, <clears throat> the reason for that Mac Mini project, I think I said here, was I'm looking forward to a future where I get an update on my desktop. I get an update to my desktop arrangement, whatever that is. And so that larger omnibus project, which started as I want to be able to go into a Scarlet Focus, right? That never happened. But it did lead me into this world of like, wow, there really is a lot I have missed or don't get to benefit from having a computer that is, it's just, this computer's from such a weird time. Like the cheese grater that's, believe it or not, still sitting here. I mean, that has like Firewire and stuff on it, but that was, Firewire was great. With this 2015 Retina iMac that I love, I'm still stuck on what I don't. I forget. I forget the names, but I'm I'm still on Thunderbolt with that. I can't do anything good with that. I don't have any USB C on here. I'm like I'm Dongle Boy all over the place, and I was missing out on a lot as a result of that. I think. Yeah, your time will come. 
years no wait to wwdc well the Mac, i think the mac mini and this is and so so basically inside baseball i had turned to my friend john syracuse who i asked about these things about you know what kind of monitor can i live with to just i didn't phrase it like this but um, basically i just wanted to set up the mac mini get all my stuff on here and see what it's like to use and i to be candid i don't want that to cost me twelve hundred dollars more to find out especially given that even for twelve hundred fifteen hundred bucks i'm not sure i'm gonna love any monitor I get, and I'm not going to spend for the fancy one. You know what I mean? So it, it is sort of this thing of like, well, for around three or 400 bucks, I can have a, an apparently, an ugly but apparently satisfactory monitor that would let me try that out. And, you know, it never hurts to have a monitor around. Maybe a little bit more than that, but basically if you get a 4K monitor, everything will look a little bit bigger than you're used to, just because the DPI won't be quite as high as it is on the on the current iMac screen. So everything will be a little bit bigger, which you may actually enjoy. Because but if I get kind a 30 of, inch, that would be cool. Well, no, I'm saying I'm just saying like the, you know, what you're used to seeing, the, the size that you're used to seeing things, like how tall is the menu bar? It'll be a little bit taller on a four, any 4K monitor that you buy that's not like an Apple one. Mm-hmm. And not like a very super fancy one, um, but it'll probably cost you like 700 bucks. It's like basically the monitor I use with my PlayStation. It's a 4K monitor. You can hook a Mac up to it. Works perfectly fine. The image mm-hmm. quality is fine. Everything's a little bit bigger. And I think you might actually like everything being a little bit bigger if your eyes are getting bad like mine are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I'm, 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 not, I'm not against that. You know, <clears throat> it's funny because I, I just just this very day, uh, Dan, Dan was really strange on today's Back to Work, believe it or not. He, <laughs> he spent 45 minutes talking about how much he doesn't like shopping for a TV. And I was trying to be helpful about it, but <laughs> he just doesn't like the idea even of shopping for a TV. Mm-hmm. And of course I made a case for, I'm going to say ratings for Artings, whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. Because I do think it's incredibly useful and in a really good sweet spot between like pff, wire cutter and something like way over the top. I mean, you can get into, you scroll down that page and there's all kinds of details and comparisons. I just think I'm really glad y'all brought that site to my attention because it has been extremely useful but even then, after an hour and a half on that site today, I still found myself, a site that I love, I still found myself saying, well, just tell me, just somebody just tell me which one to buy, you know, because like there's so much of these are like, these are monitors that are nominally, I think, gaming monitors, a lot of them, the 4K ones. And, but then you, you run into all this nomenclature where it's like, well, this one's 4K, but it's not really bright enough to be true HDR. But you, and, don't, but you don't care about any of that for the Mac. I You're lucky that I you do. don't have to worry about that stuff for the use with the Mac. I, I think you're probably right. I'm not. I'm not aesthetically all that picky. And the Mac, the Mac won't drive it in HDR anyway. I don't think. Like no matter what you get, I think really? only the only the uh, Pro Display XDR it'll crank up to that level. I'm pretty sure. Anyway, you, you just like just get a. Don't, don't worry about HDR. Don't worry about high refresh rate. Don't worry about variable refresh. Don't worry about any of that stuff. Just get a nice name brand 4K monitor, and it will serve you well until something Apple-ish comes along someday that you want. That's pretty much exactly what I wanted to hear. So I don't need to worry about VRR, whatever that is. Nope, nope. Um, You're using it with your Mac, you absolutely do not. All right, that helps. But yeah, you see, I took out the follow-up about my kernel panic. I thought I'd tracked it down. I've tracked it down to a line, some lines that keep reappearing, but it wasn't what I thought it was, I don't think. I think it might have something to do with SMB. So I unmounted all of the things before we started recording and hopefully Mm. I'll be okay. But we do have some follow-up, actually. Thank you for the advice. I appreciate it. Um, I'm going to order some of those uh, Hermes. Hermes uh, <laughs> those little, uh, little uh, you know, hangers for my, uh, for my what is it called? AirTags? Is that what they're called? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What a weird company. What a weird goddamn company. To spend any effort at all on that is so strange to me. 
I don't know how they think there. I guess they like making money. I don't know. Who's going to buy those, John? Uh, toys for your toys, right? Yes. I seem to remember Serenity Caldwell had the fancy, had a fancier maze wrap around twice one. And I think she might be the only person I, I personally acquainted was with. It, was it a real or a knockoff? No, she bought it when, when you know, remember when, of course you remember when the watch first came out and there was, mm-hmm. it, they were really putting a premium on this whole Lux experience thing. Mm-hmm. And which of course, in retrospect was, mm, I mean, it's, it's a piece of hardware. It's fine. Like it doesn't need to be gold. Um, but yeah, yeah. She had one of those fancy wraparound twice once, I think. But I don't know. That's not really my jam. Now, now do you like last thing? <laughs> uh, underscore David Smith is uh, losing his mind over that, that weird uh, rubber braided one. Do, do you have one of those? Do you like those? I don't they wear a watch. Do you know that? You don't wear a watch. Okay. But yeah, you do have multiple I, layers of clothing. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I mean, I can, I can see the appeal of the solo loops of not having a clasp or a band or whatever, but just the, just the thought of trying to get the size right gives me stress. Oh, me too. I went there today and I, I could just close the window. That many instructions on how to get a watch band, woof. I really like the fake Velcro one. I've been very happy with those. But you don't wear a watch, so it doesn't matter. John, we have several items of follow-up, including a very important piece of follow-up I would love for you to share with the class. Sure. Last episode, I was stressing and uh, upset about the fact that I couldn't get a vaccine and that I wasn't even eligible until the 19th. This is now the 20th, but shortly after I recorded that episode, a friend of mine uh, gave me a tip that one of my local vaccination sites had too many vaccines and not enough people to give it to. So they oh, put put out the call <laughs> on their website. That, you got you know, it. You got it via a tip as well. Yeah. And so, yeah. <laughs> so the, web, the website said, it said, register for your appointment button. All right. And, and that you can click. Right. But underneath it, it says, please note during the registration pl- process, please answer yes to the following question. Have you been contacted by a community-based organization or through another community outreach effort to schedule an appointment? So they're telling you to answer yes to that. Because if I read that question and they didn't tell me this, I would have said, no, I haven't been contacted by a community-based organization or whatever they're trying to say here. What? That sounds like a scene in a prestige drama where uh, where a lawyer talks to you and shakes his head about what you should answer. And and then they show a screenshot of the question underneath it with the same text. Have you been contacted by a community-based organization or through another community outreach effort to schedule an appointment? They're telling me to answer yes. So what I did was I clicked the book an appointment button. I answered all the questions 100% honestly. Do I have a medical condition? No. Am I super old? No. Am I a healthcare worker? No. Like I answered everything 100% honestly. And then I came to that question that says, have you been contacted? And I answered yes, just like they said. And it said, congratulations, you got an appointment. Like that was basically their way of saying, we're opening this up to anybody. Like, because if you're you're totally honest in all the other questions, you're not in any group and you're, because I wasn't eligible according to the rules, but they said, look, we've got vaccines, but I got them out, right? So I did that and I got an appointment for myself and my son in a fairly frantic dual device simultaneous registration process in which I had to dig out multiple people's insurance cards and fight against my autocorrect and all that other stuff. All the other, yeah. Right. Because there was, there was a, again, a, a timer on, not a live timer this time at least, but there was like, time was of the essence um, to get the appointments. Plus I wanted to have them kind of at the same time. Um, and then I did the, the typical thing when, when the day came for my appointment, which I believe was the next day after that or something, which was, uh, our appointments for, for whatever time they were like noon or something, but we, <laughs> I planned to get there like two hours early because why wouldn't I, we discovered, we, we discussed you're not going to get an argument from this guy, but then you won't get to have that driving tour of Foster city you've been wanting. Yeah. We discussed this on the last show. So I got, got there like two hours early, especially as we didn't even know where it was or where to park. Eventually we found it, got a parking spot, got in line and there was a line, uh, a nice socially distanced line. And while we were waiting in line, as we started to approach the thing, 
Uh, first of all, they, the only thing they asked us before we got in line is, do you have an appointment? We said yes. Um, as we approached the line, it became clear that they were taking walk-ins. So people would come up. If, if you answered like the line tender at the end of the line, if, if that, when that person asked, do you have an appointment? If you said no, what they did was they directed you to the front of the line and said, go over there and talk to those people. And what those people at the front of the line said is, here's some paperwork for you to fill out. Fill it out and then get in the line. Hmm. So they were taking anybody off the street. I don't care who you are. You're going to show up with no appointment. And they just wanted you to like fill out the forms and then get in the line. Uh, cause they, they have vaccines to give and they needed somewhere to put them. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and so the line was pretty long and we were there for maybe like an hour. Um, no one ever asked us when our appointment was for, or looked at any of our paperwork, although they did <laughs> a have a regular Swiss clock. <laughs> yeah. Although they did have our names, like they were able to, when we gave them our names uh, and we were, they were able to look us up in the system and see that we were registered. And presumably the people who filled out the paper forms just handed them the paper form and said, I'm registered now. Here you go. Um, yeah, and I got my shot, Pfizer shot number one, and so did my son, and we waited 15 minutes and didn't die, and then we went home, and the follow-up appointment is in, whatever, three weeks at the exact same location for both of us uh, at a similar time, and that's it, and all the only side effects I had was the extremely mildly sore arm. I've had much worse sore arms from routine flu shots than I did from this, and that's it. No other symptoms. I know Pfizer shot number two is supposedly much worse, so I'm not looking forward to that, but I'm looking forward to that because I want to get this over and yeah. done with. Well, congratulations. I'm glad you got it. Now you, uh, you're, uh, what is it? One, it was a pretty big percentage of people who was a third of adults are fully vaccinated. Is that right? I think almost half, on your way. Almost half the adults in the U.S. Are, have their first shot. Mm-hmm. Still pretty good. We're getting there. Well, you know, it's Zeno's paradox. <laughs> well, yeah, so we're going to be getting that last 10% for the rest of humanity probably. So that's a relief, but, uh, yep, yep. you know, like, and, and it's still, you know, it, these things take time. So I got to wait for my second one. Then I got to wait after that. But it, it just getting back to the brief touching on watch straps or whatever, like everything is just m- still continued to be messed up by the COVID stuff. And like in non COVID times, uh, one way to deal with fretting about watch straps would be like, oh, well, next time I see all my friends, I'll just try on their watch straps and see, and ask them what size I have, or I'll just go to a store and try a bunch of them on. All sorts of things that you can do when you see people in person routinely that are so off the table that it's like, oh, well, how am I ever going to know what size? I have to buy it and return it. It's like, you know, I can't wait until we can actually see people in person and go places in person again and do the few things that actually are much better in person, like let's say trying on watch bands. Right, right. If uh, I, I, I don't like to announce things, but if it works out, I think uh, you and I will be doing uh, hopefully a very special episode next time, which is our COVID, our, our, so I think we're calling it the corn pre post mortem, mm-hmm. which is somewhat a somewhat TBD omnibus edition that will be lessons of corn things we'd like to go, quote-unquote, back to normal, things we hope never go back to normal. Um, and I hope, I hope we'll do that. I will be gathering my thoughts. I might even write something. One never knows. But, um, <laughs> but I'll tell you what goes in one of those columns is uh, I had to do yet another return at, at the Apple Store recently. Hmm. Uh, oh, this one actually it turned out great because I'd gotten, uh, I'd gotten a battery case for my kid and I ordered the wrong one, but it totally worked. I accidentally got her an 11 battery case for her 10. But the only difference is the, you know, cut out for the camera. And they were like, you know, you can still use that. And I was like, oh, cool. But I'll tell you, one thing I wouldn't mind never going back is uh, the, <laughs> the Apple store 
pre-corn chaos. Make an appointment, <laughs> show up. You just, just about walk right in. And like, I don't even need to cross their threshold. I'm, I mean, I, I, you know, there's something to be said for a short wait where you get to wander around and look at Bluetooth speakers you'll never buy or orange cases for iPads or whatever. But, but, you know, I mean, one thing is like, for example, the reason I ended up keeping that was he's like, I'm pretty sure I don't have an exchange for this. I don't, I don't, I'm pretty sure we don't have a, no, whatever one she's got. Anyway, they don't, you know how it is with the cases? They pretty much only have in-stock cases for like the more or less latest devices. So, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like going to the Apple store is not the fun that it used to be in many ways, as tons of people have talked about. But like the idea of it being more like picking up takeout, takeout would be fine with me. You know, I, I don't, I don't miss hanging out in an Apple store. Yeah, no, that was never a good use of anyone's time. That's a pretty big, that's a pretty big rental and um, uh, payroll footprint to be in a, even a failing mall like ours with that much square footage. But yeah, that's, that's one I, 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 I don't think I'd miss that. Yeah. And especially if, you know, well, I mean, maybe you could call ahead of time, but like, how do you know you're going to be able to be successfully do what you set out to do before you go? You know, my, my, I've been thinking a lot about my maternal grandmother lately. I don't know why, but she's been coming up a lot. She's a very interesting person. She was, I don't know, very unusual person, but, um, and she did lots of crazy stuff, but you know, she would make all these lists of things that she needed to do and lists of lists. And she had lists about lists. And that's why I come by that honestly. But another thing she used to do that used to just drive people crazy in the seventies, uh, was she would call people and like, just have so many questions about stuff at a store. And even into her eighties, she would call and make sure they had exactly the size toothpaste in the flavor and size and feature set that she wanted. And these poor people who work at these places where, you know, I, I don't know what your Walgreens is like, but our Walgreens, like everybody does everything and they're running around, they're stocking shelves and they're chasing away shoplifters. And then they're, when there's three people in line, they got to run an open line. It's like, and then on top of that, to have Sandra Watson on the horn when it had with some questions about Crest. But, you know, I look, I look at that now and I think, you know, in some ways she, she might've been a little bit inconsiderate or maybe even entitled to do that as often as she did. But, you know, she didn't have free reign to just drive anywhere anytime. She had, you know, stuff to do like any retiree. <laughs> but like in some ways now I look back at that and I'm like, you know, I was kind of smart. I mean, I kind of, I want more, let's put it this way. If, if I had to go through and, and um, do the masking up and all of the things and trying to be safe and getting to the place and you get to the Apple store, it, it, for example, only to find out that a fairly recent iPhone case, uh, a case for a fairly recent iPhone is simply not available there. Well, that's, that's frustrating. You know what I mean? Not everywhere. Like you couldn't say <clears throat> like, okay, how do you know if you go to unique glow, are they going to have the kind of like crappy white t-shirt you want or whatever? And like, I have to say that factors a little bit into my, my corn pre postmortem is, you know, is there room for a semi seismic change that isn't just about Amazon and online fulfillment, but some way to ease the burden for everybody. Like I, I remember reading an article about Walmart probably 10, 15 years ago about just the extreme level of just in time that they do and how they know exactly how many things are on the shelf in this particular place and how many are ex exactly at this place. And, you know, you see the benefit of that for just in time and for, I mean, Suez Canal notwithstanding, and you see the the importance of that for things like online 
ordering and you know e-commerce, but like I just feel like there's opportunities. We could learn a lot from the last year, I think. You know, e- even in like even when we get less, you know, hopefully get less fraught from a health standpoint, I do feel like there's a lot of lessons. I'm getting over my skis here, as you say, but do you ever think about that? Like ways where like it could be less burdensome for everyone involved to have the information you need to, you know, decide what store to go to even? I mean, all the time. That's why I do all my shopping online. Although your your story about your grandmother uh, and the uh, the potential appeal of uh, what her techniques, let's say, I think is just part of the the changing priorities and value systems of getting older. Like there's a reason we have all these cliches about things that old people do. Uh, because I think as you get older, both because of, you know, how your, how your actual life changes in terms of what are you spending your time doing? Are you raising kids? Are you working? You know, how much free time do you have or whatever? And also, uh, the sort of the weights on each of the things, how much of an effort is it to go out somewhere? How much do you like or dislike driving or traveling? How much does it take out of you to go on a trip downtown and have it be a waste and have to come back, right? And then so suddenly, uh, a potentially inconsiderate and annoying phone conversation uh, is 15 minutes well spent as far as you're concerned, right? And mm-hmm. then you become one of those old people. And, you know, so we're all we're all getting there by inches, right? But uh, you, can, yeah. you can see that you can see that happening. You can see, I mean, even just take something, let's say something more benign and less sort of uh, derogatory as old people calling stores and annoying them. Um, p- political engagement. Like, there's a reason all the old people vote and are more engaged in politics, partially because they're older and wiser and realize it's important, and partially because uh, the return on investment for their time spent feels worthwhile for that. But that's mm-hmm. a thing that they now have time and energy to to engage in much more so when they're than when they're running around in their 20s or whatever, or raising kids in their 30s. Yeah. Yeah. And it will surprise no one to hear me say this, I imagine, but, you know, time and attention are extremely limited, you know? And, and there's, there's a lot of little lessons that I've gleaned in the last year. Uh, you know, one of them is wh- why haven't I always been this picky about my time? I mean, you know, when I say my time, I make it sound like I think I'm important. And, and uh, it's not that I'm important. It's just, that I wish you thought you were important people. It's like, I wish we all thought we were important. I wish we could all have a little less guilt about saying this is not providing a lot of value for me, but but again, apropos of trying to get a vaccine, a vaccination appointment, you know, it's it's a, it's a kind of meta privilege <laughs> in some ways to go like, oh, no, I'm really into it. I just brought my lawn chair and I'm just going to go wait in line. It's I'm really into it. I want to be the first in line for the iPhone or whatever. Like, wow. Talk about like, like having t- time to just do whatever. I mean, it's beneficial to everybody to know that I always think of things like, well, I've got this little bit of work to do here. And then I've got this thing to do with my kid there. And back from the days when I was, uh, when she would go to school as a kid, I had to really think about pickups and the big rocks in my day, to use David Allen's parlance, the things that wouldn't move would be like, okay, I record this thing then. And then at the, and then when that ends, there's some time that's a little bit more discretionary, but I need to be outside the school ready to pick her up at, you know, one thirty or whatever, whatever that is. And... I think once you get a f- even a few of those medium-sized rocks in your life, there's a lot less of grabbing a lawn chair and waiting in line for something. And, you know, that, like we said, that can be fun. It can be fun to do, to do, you know, silly stuff or to say like, oh, I'm just going to wander to the bookstore and see if they have this book that I want. Well, it's not really about acquiring the book necessarily. It's not 
that's just a fun thing to do, right? That's, that's the kind of fun, easy thing that we used to do. But then on top of it all, I do think about things like my projects involving home automation and home assistant. And the fact that I'm developing a slightly better, I don't know, I'm developing slightly better sanity about knowing how much time to spend on stuff like this and knowing what it is I'm really trying to accomplish, which still leaves lots of room for serendipity and kismet and, and fun learning opportunities. But like for somebody with ADHD, I think a, a real, really serious known issue is getting sort of lost in the weeds without, you know, sort of remembering why you're trying to, that you do eventually want to get out of the weeds. And then to have that ability to sort of like turbo out of a situation go, okay, wait a minute, hang on. I just spent a lot of time on a thing that is not essential to what I started out wanting to do. I let my attention get away from me. And consequently, I let my time get away from me. And I don't know, that's a lesson I try to learn and relearn and apply and reapply is that this is, this is the life you get. And like, you know, nobody, nobody ever, you know, sits around on their deathbed wishing, wishing they'd spent more time, you know, configuring a YAML file, you know, at a certain point, I just, I do have an internal sense of like, I just need to take a break from this. But I do feel like maybe that's a slightly hoity-toity lesson of corn is like, I'm going to look for opportunities to, I'm probably going to use min-max wrong, to optimize my strategy for something, right? To like, and, and you see this in things like, yeah, I like to like try and do multiple errands on a trip, or I like to try and like, you know, gang tasks and stuff like that. Um, but I do feel like that's an emergent pattern that we should learn from is like, there is stuff that is almost always worth saying no to in order to make room for things that are always worth saying yes to, and to even leave enough capacity so that there's way more of that yes possibility rather than you know, commitment to things you wish you'd said no to. You don't need to convince me and my hobbit tendencies. Saying no to things is what I love. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you by our good friends at Memberful. You can learn more about Memberful right now by visiting memberful.com. Memberful is the easiest way to sell memberships to your audience. It's used by the biggest creators on the web, and it'll help you to generate sustainable recurring income while diversifying your revenue stream. Uh, you've probably heard us talk about the Relay FM membership program. What you might not know is that Memberful is the platform that we use for that very program. Thank you to all of you who use that. And thank you to, uh, to Memberful. They make it super easy to generate the uh, extra revenue stream and deliver bonus content to our members. Oh, they do so much. I'm so glad I don't have to do this. I'm so glad that they do. Uh, it's real easy to deal with. They take our existing system and they push the stuff out and they just handle, I, I don't even know everything they do. It's just all the stuff I don't want to do. And I'm so glad that they're there for that. Memberful, you got to check it out. You know, maybe you're already producing content, relying on advertising or some other means of income. Well, Memberful makes it easy to diversify that income with everything you need to run a membership program, including custom branding, gift subscriptions, Apple Pay, yay, free trials, private podcasts, and tons more, while leaving you still with full control and ownership of everything that relates to your audience, your brand, and your membership. So if you're a content creator, Memberful can help you monetize that passion. Get started for free right now. You just go to memberful.com, no credit card required, memberful.com. I'm going to spell it for you, M-E-M-B-E-R-F-U-L.com. Go there now and please do check it out. Uh, they've been great for us to work with, and uh, I'm very grateful, not just for their sponsorship for the, uh, the show, but by 
you know, and giving me fewer things to do because I'm, I'm really bad at things. But check them out. Memberful. It could be the start of something exciting. Our thanks to Memberful for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. Uh, John, we have more follow-up. We have, we have so much high-quality uh, John Syracuse follow-up. You, uh, you have some updates on your... Uh, oh, so last week in the, um, in the member after show, one of the things we talked about was uh, some problems John was having with the smart home device. Yeah, but I also talked about a little bit on ATP. Like, I redid my network. I didn't redo my network. I, I got rid of my old router and replaced right. it with an existing device that took on the role of being a router but left everything else on my network the same and everything went perfectly and everything works fine except for my one smart outlet. So I was talking to you about that because you know about smart home things and I had tried a lot of troubleshooting things. I'd gone through the whole rigmarole with the very support people. You you did a lot of very logical things to address something that seemed slightly irrational, which is that suddenly an outlet that had worked fine, so a smart outlet that had worked fine stopped working after you basically put your took your arrow out of bridge mode, and so you were working with the company that made the outlet. You were working with, the, and you because your family was having to like uh, use their fingers like monsters to turn on the uh, lights. Mm-hmm. And then we ran through a bunch of ideas for possible things, and I don't think I had anything very helpful for you. Yeah, and it was one of those one of those errors where it's like, like uh, you know, I I, I had these defunct devices in my home thing, and I deleted it, and so I'll just delete it and re-add it. And then trying to re-add it, like nothing could ever see it. It would just, you know, it wouldn't show up. It would spin forever. It'd say accessory not found. I could just never get past the hurdle of like, hey, home network, this is a smart outlet is a thing that exists. Please. You, you know, you see used to it. be friends. <laughs> yeah. Please see it and do something with it and let me add it. I could never get past that hurdle. Like I never saw a trace of it. Nothing. It was just always like, uh, add the outlet. Okay, scan the QR code. All right, adding accessory. And it would just spin and spin and spin and say, oh, accessory not found. And that's it. That's, you know, just could not get past that brick wall, which made no sense to me. So it made so little sense that I bought a second one of the outlets, just a brand new one of the exact same product to say, well, maybe this one died. And so then I just set the old one aside and here's this brand new one out of the box. And I said, now all my debugging is going to take place on the brand new outlet because this has never been on my network. It is entirely new. Presumably it works because it's a brand new product. So if the other one somehow was broken, this one shouldn't be. And it behaved exactly the same way as the old one. It was completely invisible. You couldn't add it. It would just spin and spin and say accessory not found. It was very frustrating, very inexplicable. I was going through troubleshooting with both my router vendor and the smart outlet vendor, trying all the different things. And every single thing they said to try had zero effect whatsoever. It's the second It's the second one that really obviously adds insult to injury, though, because now it's become a different kind of mystery. Yeah. And, and the, the, you know, again, the mystery is like, I didn't change my Wi-Fi. I'm still using Eero Wi-Fi routers, the exact same Eero Wi-Fi. The only thing I changed about it is now Eero is, is the router as well as uh, just doing Wi-Fi, right? And mm-hmm. everything else in the house worked fine. Every other possible device, and there are many of them. That's so annoying. It's just, just this one thing <laughs> not working. So in the litany of, of suggestions in the last episode, you did happen to give the suggestion that turned out to be the thing that let me uh, make it work. As my friend Dennis used to say, sometimes even a blind hog finds an acorn. Yeah, I mean, so here's the thing about it. So the the advice was, all right, so I'd, I'd done all sorts of troubleshooting things or whatever, and your advice was um, try doing a factory reset on the new device. Now, I had done both a hard and a soft reset according to the manufacturer's instructions on the old outlet as part of my litany of troubleshooting. 
which which outlet you continue to wonder is this just dead yeah, they just they just die the death that everything could got just be broken right yeah maybe it just doesn't this wi-fi doesn't work anymore right uh, right. But with the new outlet, I had never done a factory reset of the new outlet because it just came out of the box. <laughs> it just like it is from the factory. It has never been on my network. It has never been connected to anything. And, and it would be it would be logical to, to assume, or not logical, but it would be reasonable to assume that whatever caused the error in the old one is probably a similar thing to whatever's causing an apparent error in the new one. Because they right. exhibited exactly the same symptoms. They just could not be added. <laughs> right. They would just spin and spin and, and could not be added whatsoever. So now I didn't do that when you suggested it on the episode because like we suggested all sorts of things. And I was like, I, I was still in the mindset of like, I'm not going to, you know, like it, it was, why would I need to factory reset the new one? It's just fresh out of the box. But I was in an email chain with someone I know at the, the uh, smart outlet maker. Uh, they suggested it as well. And I'm like, all right, well. You know, I can't I can't reply to this email without saying, yes, I tried the thing that you suggested. So I factory reset the brand new outlet uh, and then tried adding it. And somehow it got added to the network. It worked. Wow. And it's like it made no sense to me. It's <laughs> like, you know, right. what what changed? I mean, when I took it out of the box, it's not like I did anything different. I took a brand new thing out of the box. I scanned the QR code and it just spun forever. And I, I tried that new outlet a dozen times. I've tried it with, you know, all the different troubleshooting and turning different, you know, Wi-Fi five gigahertz off and turning off WPA3 and turning on Eero's HomeKit support, and turning off Eero's HomeKit support. And, mm-hmm. you know, like just all my troubleshooting steps I had done on that new thing and it had never successfully been added. And then factory resetting, it works. You, you know, it's totally inexplicable. So here's here's what I've got for theories on why. Oh, this good. Works. This is the part I was really excited about. Yeah. Not that I care that much because once it works, I'm like, great, I done, do. fine. I do. I do in your shove, friendship share too. <laughs> shove it in there, put it in. And, oh, and by the way, after after it got added with HomeKit, then I went through and added it on all the other things. I added it to Google Home. I added it to the Alexa Home. I set up all my automations. It was, you know, even though I only have this one out that I did have a couple of different automations for it and a couple of different little routines and I set them up and all the different things. And so now once again, I'm back in a situation where I can hail the Amazon thing, the Google thing or the Apple thing and Good. say these seven or eight different phrases that, that they understand to do the things because it's two lights and there's a couple of different combinations. I do of them and I have a Christmas one for when the Christmas tree is connected to one of them and, you know, put them all in, they all work. So I'm back mm-hmm. to where I was. Now, my theory is this is from the person at the smart outlet maker. Uh, he says, HomeKit requires a timeout on how long you can be in a provisioning state. If that timer expires, you cannot add the device without resetting it and getting back into that state. No doubt for security reasons, but obviously challenging for users. So my understanding mm-hmm. of the statement that is explains that, a lot. Is that yeah? I and mean, a provisioning state means like you know, like when when you read the instructions from the outlet, it's like oh, plug it in, and you should see this little light blinking in the corner, and then that's the point where you you know try to add it, right? Mm-hmm. right so that's like the provisioning state. Like here I am, I'm ready to be added. And apparently the HomeKit standard requires that you can't be in that state forever. And I guess it's a security thing because you could just have like a home device constantly. It would explain a lot of things that have happened to me, including what I mentioned last week, when sometimes you'll go in, you go to set it up and it's not, it's not, you know, just popping up. This, this is just true for HomePods. Uh, it's true for the Eve energy strip. Um, where like sometimes you'll do it and there's go, no, sorry, I got nothing for you. And then you say, my, you break down and you hit the fail button that says, I don't see my item here. And guess what? Suddenly three or four items will show up there. And it says, did you mean one of these? And you're like, yes, I did. Why didn't you just tell me that you already have, 
And that's because you, you, I guess, because it died during, it got half a haircut in the provisioning process. I don't think that was the problem with these because every path through the adding process, I could go like, I don't see my device here. I'll enter a code manual, like all the different ways you can try to do home kit things. It never, it, you know, would like, do you see your device here? Same thing. By the way, I tried on like Google Home and other things like, do you see your device listed? No, I never saw it listed. Nothing ever sees it. It was absolutely invisible. Anyway, I tried to add it. Now, mm-hmm. this I didn't dig into this in the email because obviously I'm just happy things to work. But like if the provisioning timeout makes some sense in that you wouldn't want, like, say someone just takes a device and like sticks it near your house, like your neighbor, and it's constantly there trying to provision. And you could you could imagine a situation where you could accidentally add it to your home like thinking it's one of your devices and really it's there. So like you don't want, I understand why the home kit standard, if this is the case would have a requirement that you can't be in provisioning state forever because it's kind mm-hmm. of like a honeypot of like, then you're just asking for somebody to accidentally add a device that they didn't mean to add. Right. Mm-hmm. But if, when the timer expires, you know, you can't add the device without resetting it. This email says, does that mean factory resetting or does that just mean unplugging and unplugging it back in? Because I certainly unplugged it and plugged it back in dozens of times. So if that was sufficient to get me in, then I don't know. All right. Now, here's the second factor. All right. Hmm. Second, second thing in this email is the uh, person from the smart outlet company said, there's some weird stuff we have from time to time where stuff doesn't get deleted in the cloud and then it has issues. I had our team delete your old unit on the back end, so it should, it should be fine from our end. So there is there is apparently with this particular brand of device something and on a server somewhere that knows about it, right? Which makes some kind of sense. Yeah, that's that's true of the Wemo things too. Too, there are Wemo devices that, for God or country, you will never be able to get out of the app unless you call them and say, "Take this out of the cloud." Right, and so uh, they did that for my old outlet, which I still have not touching. It's just sitting on the desk or whatever, right? The original, bro- original broken one. Right. But yeah. I do have to wonder if something related to like, I don't know, my account or any device that I've used for my network. I don't honestly know how it works. Considering the new one is the one that works, them deleting something for the old one should be unrelated. But I would say the combination of these two things, that there is a server side component to this that I have no control over or visibility into that could have been screwed up, number one. And number two, uh, you know, being a provisioning state for a long time, that defines my entire troubleshooting with this thing. <laughs> just constantly trying to unplug it, plug it back in, try a thing, unplug it, plug it back in, try a thing. Like that's all I was doing. So if there is any mm-hmm. kind of timeout on provisioning that requires a factory reset, I am sure I went past it. Right. Anyway, I'm just happy that my thing works. I really don't have an explanation. Uh, and I really hope this doesn't happen to me again, because honestly, what you know what fixed it i I, again i factory reset the old one multiple times like it never helped with that one but with the new one it did so there you have it there's a phrase you introduced me to uh that i still use all the time which is internet weather like sometimes it's just not working because of internet weather like like with siri in particular well what does that mean well it means there's just all kinds of ways this could break a little bit and if it breaks a little bit it breaks all the way in practical terms and the other technical term I'm going to uh, put in here alongside that is gremlins. And I see this, I see this with all kinds of, uh, you know, home automation related stuff. There's just, it touches so many different. So there's, there's so many, there's devices, there's software that just involves so many pieces and parts. And sometimes I think the gremlins get in there and you just have to like shut everything all the way down, clear all the caches, you know, swab the decks, wait a while, sing a little tune and bring it back up, and then you need to do that five times. And is there a satisfying reason why that is? I don't think so. But like in your case, who knows? Maybe there's some kind of little, to use terms I don't really understand, maybe there's some cash associated with your account that was not getting 
fully purged. And so, but I get this all the time because a lot of the stuff with home automation relies on API keys, something like API keys, tokens, various kinds of authentication. You know what I mean? And like when you start getting into that stuff, in my experience, and certainly I would think that the cloud stuff accounts for some part of that. It has an association. There's all kinds of stuff that has broken for me and I didn't find out till later. It broke a little bit because it's still associating it with an old item. And that could be something like you removed this integration in Home Assistant through the GUI, but in your known underscore entities.yaml, there might still be something in there that you'd never fully got rid of. And even though it's technically not used, it's still there. And then on top of all of that, I mean, setting aside that you could configure this in so many different places, so many different ways. But you know what I mean? Like there, there could be little bits of gremlin in cracks and corners that you can't see. So, you know, you, st- you start to become a little bit, I think about like, uh, you know, I don't know if you saw that movie, The Conversation with Gene Hackman, where he's trying to find the bug in his apartment and tears his entire apartment apart, where it does really feel like I'm going to have to tear up every board in this house in order to find this particular little cricket or gremlin in this case. I mean, don't you think that's the case? There's some kind of a little hashy, cashy thing, hashy, cashy thing that's associated with an account or a device and you wouldn't know to manually zero that out, or maybe you even can't do that yourself. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure I can't do it myself, but if you had asked me before I began this, is there any server-side component of these smart outlets? I would have said, no, why would there be, right? Because like, there's no, like they only have to function in my house, on my Wi-Fi. They, there's no reason for them even to connect to the internet. And mm. actually, I don't, yeah. even, I don't even know at this point whether I have any kind of account for this, like I have obviously have the iOS app, and I suppose maybe the iOS app made me create an account or like, log into but one. But you, you, you used the Amazon device to talk to it, right? Right. But so setting aside the Amazon and the Google, but like, thing, like how does the just just to pick a, a seemingly, I'm just being a little bit Socratic here. How does the Amazon device know that the hardware device with this MAC address belongs to John Syracuse and is associated with this house? There must be something that's connecting there uh, because I added it, right? Like I added the device, but I'm saying like on the initial setup on a fresh thing out of the box, right? Yeah. And I'm trying to add it. Okay. Yeah. I suppose with the, with the smart outlet makers iOS app, I probably have a login there. But like technically speaking, I don't think there's any reason for there to be any kind of server side state unless HomeKit requires it. There's no reason for there to be any server side state to complete this. It's kind of like when you set up stuff where like your device will get your Wi-Fi password from your phone because you Bluetooth them next to each other and enter a code mm-hmm. like that whole like it all this all could happen in my house. Right. There is there's no there's no sort of semantic reason that I need something on the Internet. It's like you're a smart outlet. You go on my Wi-Fi. I'll tell you how to get on my if Wi-Fi. It, if, it got, if, it, if it did its dirty business on device, then the on device configuration throws some kind of a signal to other things to say it gets my okie dokie without you having to do anything with it. Unlike unlike a Wemo. Like I said, the, the handshake dance that I can imagine the device sets up an ad hoc Wi-Fi network and your phone joins it. And like, you know, like there's this whole big handshake thing that happens because you're in physical proximity and you do all these things. But where does the cloud come in? Right. And the yeah. thing with there being a cloud and stuff like that is, A, I didn't know that was there at all. And B, it doesn't matter because I have nothing I can do about it. I have no visibility into it. And I certainly can't reset it. Right. Unless there's some secret button in the app that I don't know about. So that's the most frustrating situation where, like, it turns out nothing you could have done in your house would have solved it. And really, they needed to reset your stuff on the server side. It's kind of like it used to be back in the bad old days of Fios, where if you got a new router, you had to call them and say, hey, I got a new router. Here's the new Mac address. Please let me connect to the Internet. 
Mm because they would just like essentially, you know, just have one MAC address that's allowed to get an IP from Fios. And if that router died or you replaced it, you're never going to get on the Internet again until you call them and and read your MAC address to them and say, this is my new router. Please allow it to get an IP. And they'd go ticket, ticket, ticket. And they'd say, try it now. And there you get it on the Internet. That's not the case anymore. Obviously, I didn't need to do it for this router and I haven't needed to do it for years. But still, people, a lot of people are sending me advice like just just so you know, you've got to be on the phone with a Verizon tech. And I'm like, I really hope that's not the case uh, still. And apparently it isn't. But but yeah, like if you didn't know that and you're sitting there trying to get your router to work, you're like, oh, my old router broke like it, mm-hmm. it burst into flames. I had to throw it in the garbage. I brought a new router, but this new router just won't work at all. And there's nothing you can do about it at home because it's somebody over there on Verizon has to type something to their computer and then your thing will work. Gremlins, we woke up uh, the other morning, I guess probably, actually, probably it would be Monday. It was yesterday as we record this. And, um, you know, you in, in a house like ours, you find out pretty quickly if the Wi-Fi is down, right? That's how I would describe it. The Wi-Fi is down, right? So people can't get on the internet and kicking over to 5G or whatever. Um, and I'm like, oh God, I did all the things, you know, I did all... So, so, you know, everybody has their own version of this. I unplug something. I sing one verse of the Yellow Rose of Texas, and then I plug it back in. and uh, Or the bridge from September Girls by Big Star. Everybody has their own song, I imagine. But uh, I did all that. I redid the era. I did all the things. Um, and it was very unusual because it's one of those, like, uh, from my days where I had less money in life, I know this is an uh-oh. It's like everything seems to be the lights are all on and everything's fine. And you're like, oh, no. And I'm like, did I just... I'm pretty good about paying bills. It keeps my demon dogs at bay. And then, um, so I logged in over 5G. I logged into my internet provider and I got a really perplexing screen when I went to like, see, is anything I do on my bill? And it's, I had like a hundred, over a hundred dollars in parentheses. So I overpay most of my bills because it's just what poor kids do. And um, it said, you know, you have a credit on your account and your account has been deactivated. And I was like, huh, it's early and I'm not super smart. But that seems like kind of an unusual state to be in. I'm not sure exactly what I'm trying to prove with this anecdote, but just stay with me for a sec. So eventually I, I did call and they put me on with the pros from Dover. And I got this amazing woman that was totally helpful. It's got a very long story short. Yeah, I, I overpaid my bill by $100 last time. It wasn't not paying. And usually, I mean, with the cable bill or, you know what I mean? It's, that's not usually like a, <laughs> you have to get, get pretty far behind for that to usually get like turned off. But of course, because I'm a poor kid, that's the what I think about. And I was like, oh, good, good. I was really scared. Long story short, we finally tracked this down. And it, it turned out that, you know, you know, the thing that the cable companies do where they get you to sign up for something and you get it like at a really good discount for a year. And then like it goes up to the regular price. Unless you're the sort of person that's always trying to call in, you know, six or every six or 12 months to get a better deal. Well, as it turned out, the, it was explained to me that the reason my account was deactivated or not current or whatever their phrase for it was, was that the package that I got a good deal on didn't exist anymore. And the package that did exist was slightly different and had a different name. So I'm extrapolating a little bit here, but in my case, the, the gremlins inside the accounting machine there are that, well, yeah, Merlin, man, he's, uh, he's all paid up and everything's good, but he can't have this account because that kind of account doesn't exist anymore. And so somewhere in that stack, uh, what became a technical problem for me started as 
I don't know, like a weird database thing. Do, do you know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, I think what they're trying to avoid is like you can't sign people up for something without asking them. So they can't say, well, why don't you just why don't we just put them on one of our other plans? It's like, well, which other plan? We can't take this person and say, hey, we bought this thing for you. You're welcome. Right. Because none of the things are exactly what you paid for. I, I, I buy that mostly, ex- except that she was pretty straightforward about saying, no, this is our screw up, basically because, you know, extreme, extreme abdominal blast plus for the enterprise doesn't exist anymore. That I, and I'm getting way too close to your territory here, but my sense is that the row for that kind of package didn't exist anymore, and it generated an error. It's not that they were trying to like make me call in to get the upgrade for reasons I won't say here, but you know, um, <laughs> they're very nice to me there. Um, but did you follow? It's, I think it's just that because that row was gone, it got confused. So the part that does the joins that say is he paid up was all fine, and the part over here saying paid up on what? <laughs> was like there's nothing to be paid up on because that account doesn't exist anymore get him a fresh blast yeah i think if you had a more uh normal uh service you what mm-hmm. you would have got as the usual like the usual workflow of like months worth of come-ons and warnings that like <laughs> your, your, your two-year yeah. deal is expiring you need to pick something else and uh, or like you know what normally happens is your rate they just warn you that your rate is going to go up because what they have for most people who get one of those deals you described is a they always have the more expensive expensive plan, plan yes. ready and waiting to switch Absolutely. you to. Whereas in your case, it seems like there was no other thing to auto switch you to because you're a snowflake. I am a snowflake. And the funny part of after, after Elena had walked me through that, we had a very nice conversation. And then so finally, and she she did actually like called me, called me back on my phone and was like, OK, and now I'm going to, you know, I'm going to bring in um, Devin. Uh, to talk to you. And and, then Devin comes in to like, and it's funny that it's so clear that they are from completely different teams, business units, whatever. I'm getting the elite, you know, SEAL Team 6 people for technical support and special offers. And then on the other hand, they got to bring in Devin from from Steerage. And and Devin from Steerage is just basically like every person you've ever had on the phone when you try to cancel your AOL. It's like, thank you, Elaine. I appreciate that. Hi, Mr. Man. I'm Devin, and I just want to let you know uh, we're very excited to be able to offer you the uh, <laughs> this and this, and and uh, we'll go ahead and uh, sign you up for uh, paperless billing and um, auto pay. And I said, no, I appreciate you asking. He goes, well, we'd be able to offer you a discount of uh, X dollars a month if you sign up for that. I said, no, I appreciate you asking. I don't want to do that today. And but he just he keeps pursuing it, and he does it in that salesman way, you know, that Devin does with the the, the hand between the shoulder blades and walking you, you know, toward the toward the uh, or the sluice. And, uh, and I said, no, and that's, I, I prefer to just pay my bills manually. It, you know, keeps my demon dogs at bay. And Elena pipes in and goes, um, yeah, thank you, Devin. Thank you so much. Uh, Mr. Man, actually, we're going to go ahead and give you that. <laughs> we're going to go ahead and give you that monthly discount anyway. Thank you so much. Devin. <laughs> you don't need to sign up for that. And I was like, nice. I wanted Elena holding my hand and every, I want to have, I want to have an internet lawyer for every one of these interactions with the Devons of life. And then Devin just kind of slunk away and went on to his next mark. It felt so good though. It felt so good to have an Elena on the inside. Speaking of uh, playing, paying bills by hand, um, my wife does most of the finances and she's in the same camp as you. She wants to pay things. I don't know if it's a demon dog situation, but she wants to pay them manually because she always wants to know what's being paid when and for what, you know what I mean? I just like to know that I have money in my account. Uh, yeah, just I'll never, just like, I'll never well, be past that, which is why my kid won't go to college. Foreshadowing. I think my wife's thing is uh, mostly uh, what if they suddenly decide to charge us a million dollars and we don't. Do right. This? 
<laughs> well, I mean, right? like, for example, when I go into Mint, which, I God, I hate that site. It gets worse every day. But, like, I do have tags set up for what I call web, subscription, web subscriptions or recurring payments. And it's so sobering to go in every three or four months and look at all the things I just forgot that I was getting a repeating bill on. And, and it went up. So that that's probably a Tina special. It's like, oh, I'm never going to get pinged with that. Yeah, but the, so the downside is that we've got a lot of these things to deal with. If it was up to me, if I was the finance person, I would set everything up on auto pay because I'm all about the automation. And it's just like, well, then- I've done it before. I just get weird. I'm just superstitious. I know the, I know the very month, the very month that I set it up, something catastrophic is going to happen. There's going to be a mix up and the bank gets rid of the kind of account that I had. And then the row is missing. And then all of a sudden I'm bouncing checks like, you know, like a pauper. Yeah, I, but I'd like my my stance is like if if something screws up, I'll be able to call and resolve it eventually. Mm-hmm. And in the mean and in the meantime, I don't want to deal with this manually. So uh, for the very first time in our you know umpteen years of married life, of uh, we actually one of them flipped through the cracks, got too many stupid credit cards and accounts and mm-hmm. crap. And one of our extremely rarely used credit cards, one of my extremely rarely used credit cards, we just forgot to pay the bill and and is it fair to say i i'm not a credit card person but isn't it fair to say that they they do make that difficult to follow like don't they do stuff like change it up so that like it's difficult to get any kind of in any kind of of pattern with those things where it's easy enough to miss a payment or something don't they do that on purpose no it it comes the same time every month and they send an email and they say Mm. here's your bill and it's due and we just slip through the cracks Right. Because okay. because it's one of those cards that like, you know, months go by and we don't put any charges on it. Right. And I think I think the total right. amount of charges was 80 bucks. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we just 100 percent missed it. And then they send you the super angry email that says you need to send your minimum payment of 20 dollars or we're going to repossess your house or whatever it is they say. Right. And I guess it's a testament to the manual payment system. This is the first time this had ever happened. But it's also kind of annoying that like. I don't know. I mean, I guess that's their whole business is like. <laughs> is people i mean here's the thing we don't we, we pay off all our credit cards right and they i i imagine we're like the worst customer for these people because they want you to not pay off your full balance because they want interest like it's the whole yeah. point of credit cards and we never that's, that's do why that i was saying what i said is like anything that they can do to make it less clear what will enable you to stay away from you know usurious fees Right. But, but so in this case, finally, the, this customer, if they looked at our credit history, that is just like literally never paid an interest payment on a credit card in their entire life. Right. <laughs> Suddenly misses a, a $20 minimum payment on a card. Right. right. And of course, what we did was, you know, immediately paid off the bill. And then I was able to convince my wife to enable auto pay for this card only just because it's such a hassle to remember it. And, you know, it's so rare that we use it at all. This card is set up on auto pay now. Right. But the fact that they wouldn't have just like, I don't know, giving us a call and said, hey, maybe you forgot about this. Uh, you want to pay it or whatever? Nope. They just went right to like, we're going to be sending you to collections and people will be coming to your house with crowbars. And it just Whoa, feels a little extreme Amex? to me. Like they sent paper mail with things in all caps. Well, no, I just mean like, I thought that was the point was they want you to carry a balance, but unless it's- Right, but you got to make younger. a minimum payment apparently. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, I see. Because they had no way to extract even the minimum. It was $80 thing and the minimum payment was 20 <sighs> And they had zero dollars for the month Gross. from us, and they had okay. and they had no access to any payment God, information. Because so, so bad. And the, the other the annoying thing is you you <laughs> couldn't on the website you couldn't set up auto pay until you had paid off your balance. So we had to pay off the balance, and then wait for that to register a day or two, and then remember to set up auto pay. But anyway, now it's configured for auto pay. 
Um, I, I think in theory, I'm sure people are probably writing into the show right now to say, hey, if you really care about this, you can call the credit card company and try to make nice to them. And they'll just like smooth this one over and say, OK, we won't ding. We won't ding your credit. This is like you and Google Chrome, John. When I see Tim up there talking about how great this credit card is and all this stuff, and like I say, it's like you and Google Chrome. Like you people in your credit cards, I know it's good. You build credit and stuff like that. But what a what a racket. The people but credit cards are, I just got done explaining to my son when I was trying to explain personal finance to him because we couldn't convince him to take the personal finance course in high school, um, is that credit cards are a great deal if you pay off the balance every month because it's free money, <laughs> right? Yeah. Kind of. I mean, but you're propping up, you're propping up such a busted ass industry. Right, oh my true, God. But they give, they give you free money because they expect over the long run, like a casino that eventually you won't pay off that full balance and eventually you will start paying interest and that's where they get you. And thus far in my life, they have never gotten me. I've never I've been lucky enough. on that edge. You know, right. But it's not, but I don't feel like it's an edge, right? Like we're just living You're still using Chrome. Means. What are you talking about? Chrome is fine. How are you going to get off that thing? Chrome is fine. Probably How are about. you still using that app? Chrome is fine. I don't know it's not on. fine, John. It's never it's been fine. fine. It's fine. Ugh. Are you running the flock? Are you running the thing, the anti-flock thing? Oh, probably. Who knows? I don't know. Whatever. Oh, my God. You're killing me, John. Tracking, you're killing baby. me. <laughs> Track- <laughs> I, <don't- laughs> I, just like the- I just like that it always loads the web pages. Yeah, eventually. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, it does. But morality is more. Anyway, right. so that was, that was my run-in with bad credit. What are they, so te- what are they teach in a class like that, John? Personal finance? Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, is it so he's high school-ish aged? Mm-hmm. And is it like a, it's not consumer math. It's more like a best practice. Remember that one time we were saying, at least I was saying, like, I think they should teach privacy. Like, in not, in not privacy, but don't worry about teaching a kid to code. They'll figure it out. But what we really need is like how to be a good consumer of news and content <laughs> on the internet. Is it sort of like making good choices around money or like in, like in, we had a class where like they taught you how to write a check and balance a checkbook and all that it was kind of like business administration for moms yeah like i remember that i took i took some kind of what did i take in some kind of business elective and later in high school that was it was like, touched on a little bit in business administration which was mainly typing and stuff yeah but, and and yeah. how to, and how to balance a checkbook which is not a skill that i think kids probably need to know much these days but i imagine it would describe oh here's the problem this is the reason we wanted our son to take it because like you know because we pay for everything in his life and he doesn't really have any concept of money because he hasn't ever had to lucky him Mm -hmm. um but eventually he will need to understand money and how it works and how to manage it and just the you know the reason i was giving them the annoying dad lecture (laughs) you know he's not gonna listen to you well i mean so he didn't take the course because he wanted to take other things so i said okay well now you're getting my version of it which is don't ever always pay off your credit card bills entirely they're a good way to get some free money, but the whole point is it's a game. They're just waiting for you to say, well, this time I don't have to pay it off, and then you're paying interest. That's the trap. Never, ever do that. Don't spend more money than you have, yada, yada. I'm guessing giving like the rich kid's version of how to do personal finance, right? It's like, you have parents <laughs> who have money. You're lucky. You're regular uh, Polonius. <laughs> right. Uh, here, you should manage your finances conservatively because that's a thing that you can do, and it won't impair you in any way, and... Like, cause if you don't tell it kids anything, they're just like, you know, I can imagine, I, I know this always happened to some of my friends when we were getting to the age where you could get credit cards. If no one ever talked to them about a credit card, how can a kid not think, wow, look at this magic thing where I can buy things even though I don't have the money for it. Like, like there's a reason that credit card industry is as big as it Justin is. Justin because- McElroy uh, registered for to get a credit card at a Reds game when he was a teenager <laughs> and, and uh, to get a Reds game, uh, if you sign up for a visa and it ended up ruining his credit for years. Yeah, like, it's, I mean, that's the, that's the whole thing. That so was me someone, in the RCA Record Club. 
someone has to tell you, right? Someone has yeah. to say, just so you know, this is the game and uh, this is how they win. And you should not play that game at all, even though it's super tempting because you will always lose. <laughs> so mm -hmm. don't do it if you can possibly avoid it. And to say, you lucky child can avoid it because you are have parents with lots of money who will make sure that you don't starve to death in the street. So uh, take advantage of that. Yeah. Right. Uh, and that's that's you know and and just I'm sure they go into more in the personal finance like you know why why bank accounts exist and why you should have them what's the difference between Ugh. credit and debit and but you know once you get into the sort of nitty gritty of it like we've been doing this like with driving lessons I would make my son fill up the gas tank and boy that's a very different procedure than it was when I was a kid <laughs> how, how so? like well uh, how does he pay for gas. Uh, yes, he could pay for gas with cash, but oh, literally, so like as, as against when we you you go to the the shell and go up to the window and say ten dollars on number three, and you hand right. ten dollars. That basically doesn't exist in my neck of the woods anymore right. because you have to go hunt down I the person. Hate it. I hate it I, that there are so many skimmers on those goddamn gas pumps. That is like that's where the skimmers live. Also, so here, so yeah, so that's the next thing, right? So, you know, there was, there's cash, but in, in the modern age, you can't even find the attendant because nobody pays with cash. So why would they even be there? Right. And so <laughs> now the next level is this is what I did when I was a kid. I had uh, a credit card, a joint credit card with my parents as my starter credit card, right? Mm -hmm. They co-signed for it. Um, and so when I needed to fill up the gas tank, I would use the joint credit card. Right. And so the machines had a little slidey thing. This was mostly pretty skimmer. And so now I would go to the gas pump and I could slide my little credit card in and sometimes they'd ask you for your zip code or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that's how I would get gas in the car. And then you get a credit card bill and, you know, you learn how to pay bills and you go through that whole thing. Right. Right. Nowadays, it's all on the phone. Right. And so hmm. now you got to like learn really? what Apple Pay is. Right. Yeah. Uh, lear learn what Apple Pay is and learn, you know, I'm more how out money of it than I thought. The last few times I filled up the tank on like a trip, I just use a. I usually well, there used use... to be. I skipped. I skipped over the uh, the speed pass. Do you remember speed pass? That's the thing. that's like a keychain at Chevron or Exxon. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's like the shell. tiger in your tank. It's the one. We, but you got a fob, right? Yeah, shell or golf. Yeah, I think it's shell. Anyway, it, it was like a tiny little fob, like like mm -hmm. the one inch of a pencil cut off. That's how I big had it was. a. I had an Hermes uh, holder for mine. <laughs> right. Yeah. Might <laughs> as well. No, that stupid little plastic thing I had in my keychain for what several decades. And it was great because you just jam that jam your keys up against the spot on the pump and it would turn. It was just hooked up to a credit card, but it was convenient. Right. Mm -hmm. And so they got rid of speed pass and replaced it with use your now use your phone, use Android, your phone. Android pay or something like that. Yeah. Or Apple pay. Right. Mm -hmm. But how does my son pay with his phone? Mm -hmm. He doesn't have any credit cards. He doesn't have any accounts. He doesn't have a debit card. He doesn't have a bank account. So what I mean, do you hook up? You could get Tim's. Um, Tim's high-end credit card, but I think you can also now share, you can have Apple pay stuff that's associated with some kind of family funding source, right, I so, think. So, today, so today's announcement is that you can share your Apple card with your family, and that would allow right. you to do that. Oh, and everybody's have, credit gets better, yay. Right, exactly, right. <sighs> but what you could do even before that is you can use Apple Pay Cash, because you can send your kids Apple Pay Cash. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. And then they can use that Apple Pay Cash to pay at the pump with the thing. Once they and then they have to learn how to do how do you pay double tap the side do face ID hold it up to the thing like it's a surprisingly involved procedure for someone who has never had occasion to pay for anything <laughs> with a phone right. ever right right and then if that goes wrong what do you do like <laughs> for the, years my the extent I I mean I used to go buy cigarettes for my mom or like whatever I'm used to like counting your change and all that stuff and I think the extent until fairly recent last two years for my kid was like 
she put the tip in the cup. It was like mainly the extent of her money knowledge. Yeah. So, so even things like that that seem like you don't really think about until you have to actually give someone who's never done before instructions. And you realize there's a lot of steps and a lot of complexities. And like even just understanding the mechanism by which this magic money somehow appears in their phone and explaining what Apple Pay cash is and how this works and how you have to look at a balance to know how much of it you have. And it's it's you, you make know, him sound simple, John. I bet he could understand that. He's just led a sheltered life. <laughs> so say you. And he's 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 a hard worker, but he's working hard on academics mostly. And if I can so get your son on. to talk to me, I think we get along very well. We both have to tolerate you a lot. Yeah. So I mean, it's better than taking personal finance, having to listen to. I like few, your point, though. Lectures. I mean, uh, kidding aside, I do like your point, though. Of like, it's sort of like me trying to teach my mom over the phone how to do a screenshot, which it's it's the kind of thing where you know how they always used to say when you define a word. <laughs> it sounds so obvious now. But when you, you know, when you go through that era of, of like third, fourth, fifth grade, where you're doing a lot of stuff with definitions, and they'd always say like, don't use the word that you're defining in the definition, which seems really obvious. I mean, that's like a, a cross word scripting error. Um, but in this case, you realize how difficult it is. There's some concepts that are so in your bones, at least to what you think is your understanding of something that when you try to explain it to somebody else, if I tried to explain like how quote unquote money gets on a phone, I would I would need some diagrams. I would need like UML and like Ben Stein to explain it to me. And then, you know, just even in the more nitty gritty, it's like touch ID versus face ID and why mm-hmm. they're totally different ways to do the ostensibly the same thing. And just the general, I mean, I'm sure we all felt this when we first started doing, you know, Apple Pay or whatever, like, oh, where do I have to hold it in for how long and how do I tell whether it went through and all that other stuff. It's still, it's still different on so many different, I mean, I don't, I don't want to make myself sound simple. I pay for when I buy anything at Walgreens, both my Walgreens card and I pay, you know, with my watch. When I go to my preferred pharmacy that I'm pretty much all in on now, probably like a little family owned pharmacy, that's all in on Apple Pay. But even at Walgreens, like you have to know to wait until the blue light starts running around like it's on Broadway or something. It's it's really, it's, and, and it's not like the folks there are going to help you. Your son would be kind of on his own to like figure that out probably. Yeah. And even, even me, like it's because I don't do a lot of the shopping, uh, the, the procedure that you have to go through now at our local Whole Foods is like, <laughs> you have to launch the, self-checkout, self-checkout. I am oh, so forget about self-checkout. I'm saying just with the regular people, technically what I'm supposed to do, which I never do mm-hmm. is launch the Whole Foods app and get mm-hmm. it to a screen with a QR code. So it can be scanned so that like, there's some kind of Whole Food Amazon discount thing. And oh, then I have God. to pay with oh, of Apple course. Pay. course, that's right. I forgot about that. And then I have to pay with Apple Pay using the Amazon Visa card, right? Oh, my God, But, like, but it's, it's, it's two like, apps. It's Ugh. like a, I have to launch the Whole Foods app and let you scan this code to get the fire. special discount. Ugh. Right. And so sometimes I just don't do it. I, just, I want I it to be I think John Roderick might be right. I think everything's garbage. This is terrible. This is no way yeah. to live. And then self-checkout is a whole other thing because now I add I, to that. I will not the, do the self-checkout. B- I will Basic not inability to to ring up items and put them in a bag without being yelled about about un- unknown items being in the bagging area. I don't like being yelled at. I don't like, I don't like my microwave telling me to enjoy my meal. And I don't like a machine yelling about me about items in an area. Uh, and then the hairy person coming over to just I like know. roll it's their exhaling, eyes and, the and stick the thing bag. And, <sighs> Yeah, it's like we're we're all we all don't like this, even though the lines are sometimes shorter. It's just I will. That's gonna make what's gonna make me an old yeah, person. It's a sucker like, bet. It's a sucker bet. It seems shorter, but it's eventually, not. Eventually, you know, uh, hopefully someday I'll be eighty years old 
and there'll be one checkout line with a human and all the rest will be automated and it'll just be me and the other 80 year olds waiting in line for the human <laughs> are these coupons still good mm-hmm. uh-huh yeah it only expired last week uh-huh. <laughs> can you can i speak to your manager oh boy uh geez i don't know Wait, hang on. Oh, we still got more. You know what? We have time for one more piece of follow-up, and then our show is done. <laughs> All right, It's then. an hour and 10 minutes, but yes. this is a good piece of fall. Hey, you know, tune in next time. You know, I got willing and the creek don't rise. Next week, uh, we will be talking about our, our corn pre-postmortem. Are you interested in talking about that? Is it just me? I, I feel like I feel like I'm trying to make you do kinky sex. Are, are you into no, it? No, I'm, t- I'm totally interested in it. I also want okay. to talk about the other topic that's there, but obviously not this week. Uh, That would be... Oh, 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 God, right. Oh, see, we're not going to have time for that. <laughs> no, we won't. But, but this you know, is good. This is what people do. There's always for, more right? episodes. Don't worry. Well, you hope. I'm honored to be here. I know for you, this is just, you know, it's no big, but like this is, I'm, I'm very happy to do a podcast with you, John. I've, I've always almost liked you. What is this fall, this last follow up item? What do you want to know? What are we following oh. up on? Well, I mean, this is not consequential, but. You sent me a photograph that, which now is featured, even though you didn't allow it strictly, it's in the document. You sent me a photograph of something and I think I understand it, but if I understand it, it's completely freaking me out. It was preceded by photos of what I believe to be your garage, which I was a little confused about. And then you clarified that you want, I think you were demonstrating the, uh, the Scylla and Charybdis of your garage the like rough hewn stony walls that you have to get through to get into your tiny garage. Oh, sorry. Last week on the, the, and the challenge last week was to talk about uh, John's tiny garage and the impossibly small aperture for getting into his garage. And guys, if you haven't seen these photos, I'm just here to tell you, we can have fun with John saying his son's not allowed to park the car. My God, John, this is upsetting. I don't even like cars and it's upsetting to me these photos you keep sending me of increasingly tiny spaces that your car fits in. So I have here John's garage updates. Did you want to talk more about your tiny garage? Did you want to explain what you're pointing to in this photograph? See, I'd already sent you a picture demonstrating the same tolerance gap, like the same distance here, but I found this one. John, that there's about a quarter of an inch between your tire. It's more than that. John, this is bad. So so let let me describe the picture here, right? So the picture is showing it's it's the edge of my car, and then it's like a uh, a white immovable, silver immovable thing. And what I'm doing is I'm that's a load bearing scraper, right? Well, what that actually is behind my hand is Mm -hmm. an open door. Okay. Oh, like love. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's get swung. It. It's swung exactly. Oh, is this the door from your garage into your home? Yes. Oh, and so the John, door, this is the crazy. D- the door is open at ninety degrees, right? So it's oh, like my completely God. open. And then I'm holding the door back from closing because it's got a little springy thing yeah. with my with my pointer finger, and my uh-huh. pointer fin- finger is the tip of my pointer finger is touching the car, and what I'm trying to show is how far is it from the edge of my car that I'm touching with my fingertip. To the edge of the door. The, 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 the space here is from, from your fingertip to the first joint yep. of where your finger bends. We're talking about maybe half that's, an inch. That's an inch. Now, look at your finger. Like, the, this is my pointer you're, finger. You're look, look at the at little finger. The, the, one, the one line on your you're finger. So that's tall, like one inch. Though. That's yeah. like one inch, yeah. Anyway. Anyways, it's very upset. I thought you were pointing to, here's my oopsie dipsy where I scraped on Scylla and Charybdis. No, no. There's no scrapes on that side of the car. Well, that's why, I, so now you understand my concern. Yeah. That's, why I'm, so, that's why I'm so confused. 
And that's that's why I was sending these pictures out. I had right. I had some inquiries from other people who were interested in seeing the car pictures and uh, a garage pictures, and I sent them, and I found the finger one. But this is showing like if you wanted to see how the distance, I could have used a ruler. That's but. insane. Anyway, that's that's what the tolerance well, is. Well, that and, was. Do you want do you want to talk about college or should we save it? I feel like we should no, save we got it. we got to save it. But I, I have one more uh, garage related thing. Well, this good. is actually related good. to garages and and basements. This other person who shall remain nameless because I want to protect people's privacy was showing me. Uh, videos of their what they called their basement yeah uh and <laughs> all right wait so a I, minute wait a minute you talking about me no it's not you because oh. i call my yes. garage my basement you sometimes. did I, I saw your garage and all your stuff and this person was showing me there what they called their basement mm-hmm. and I, I will reveal this person lives in california and therefore apparently has no idea what a basement is that makes because sense this person took a video of them standing in their backyard and what this person did was walked towards their home, entered a doorway to their home without either taking a step up or a step down, just on the, the same level ground that they're standing on in their backyard. Doot, doot, walk, walk, walk through a doorway, through an open doorway, mm-hmm. entering what then they called their basement. And I was mm. here to say that if you can walk from ground level on your level property into a doorway and be in an area, that's not a basement. Basements are by definition down some stairs. I'm going to ask you to capture this, John, unless you've already done it. Could I make a request, please? I know I have, should go through the right hashtag corner mm-hmm. uh, to do this, but I would like to hear a robot or not on what a basement is. Um, basement here, in my case, the garage, which I sometimes refer to as the basement, is the first floor of our house. Right, but that's not a basement. It <laughs> do you is, understand the it, basement has to be below ground? But <laughs> it doesn't. It has to be below house. No, it has to be below ground. Yes. I don't think so that's that, accurate. I think no, this is totally your accurate. this is your Eric uh, what's the guy's name Eric Singer baseline problem again. I think you're you've got you've got underground <laughs> on the brain. And that's you're so used to all your fancy is. steps. Uh, um I okay. So, so you're so if I understand you're comfort, saying yeah. what about a cellar? Can a cellar be on the first floor? <laughs> no. <laughs> it gives okay. you a chance to to pronounce the word R O O T in interesting ways though. Root. That's right. You have a root cellar. Do you root have a root cellar? cellar? I love that phrase. I don't know what it means. I think it's where you put your potatoes. That's right, because they got to be underground. Because they got to be um, underground. The, the, the mass yep, of like the, the earth moderates says. the temperature and keeps it keeps it a, a steadier temperature than if it was above ground. That's some real Caldrogo stuff. That's very cool. Um, I I need to think about this because I okay. So so person who shall remain nameless. All we know is it's one of the residents of California, as far as we know. Yes. And they refer to the basement as something. They walk. Well, this is very interesting. I, this is this is not going to be somebody probably in LA. You've got a yard. I bet it's snow. You've got a yard. <laughs> you've got a yard and the yard is, unless you have a, like a, like a uh, seven wonders of the world type situation with a stepped garden yard is on bottom with ground floor. You walk through door, you go through door, you're in basement and you're saying you, the, that, uh, that, that, that doesn't make sense. It can't be a basement. Yeah. Now, the the exception to this is if you have like a house that is on like a hill where at the front of the house, the front door is perfectly level with the ground there, but that the ground slopes rapidly downwards. So by the time you get to the back of the house, like what, is the ba- what is the basement in the front of the house empties okay. out at ground level to the backyard. Mm. And in that case, I'll give you partial credit for basementness because some mm. part of that is underground, but what some part is Disney isn't. World? Disney World's got a, got a basement, but the basement is actually the first floor. Doesn't that count? There's no basements in Florida, There's except no basements. for no, that's that's okay. that's more of a uh, 
I don't know what you would call that. Maybe a maybe a Disney magic. It's like the whole place is built on a false floor. It's like a stage, you know. Of course, it's a stage. It's the happiest place on earth, John. Yeah, it's like the city of Chicago, where it's like built on top of the other city of Chicago. Oh, right, and they moved it around on rollers. Yeah, it's like it's like up one story from. I mean, well, it's like Futurama, right? You know, Futurama as you go down, you can like under New New York. There's like New York, right? Oh, I see. You know, like they have the the layers. Slurm. That's that's a whole different thing. I feel like that's that's a the sad worm, situation. right? The sad Sorry, worm? no spoilers. So you're adjudicating basements from afar. What I'm gonna I'm gonna hoist this now. It would be ironic if I stole this topic from Jason Snell, even as we were talking about Jason Snell, which we probably aren't. With that said, what makes a basement a basement? That's got to be the part of the house that's underground. Not it, like it, like well, that, at seems, least that 50, seems real on the nose, more than John. Fifty percent underground. Because otherwise, wow. then you got a split level. And that's not wow, a use basement. The, use the bathroom that uh, you know agrees with your basement assignment. Wow, that's uh, really normative, John. But that's what a basement is. Like otherwise, well, why even call something a basement? Because then you, hmm. you just if you just well, have, what if you store uh, boxes there? <laughs> it doesn't make it a basement, though. It might. There could be steps somewhere. No, I mean, so here's the weird thing about your thing. Yours, you you sometimes relative, call yours. John, a, it's you context. sometimes call yours a basement, even though it's not. But it's yours is garage. also kind of a yeah. garage, right? Well, I use it as a basement. Our neighbors use it as a garage. Yeah, but like you can drive a car into it. Is what I'm saying. I mean, this, nominally, yes. This supposed basement also was concrete floored. I don't think it had any place for a car to go into it, though. But it, it has a similar... rumpus room. They have a rumpus room and a bar. No, it was like it was unfinished, basically. Oh, that's the okay. other thing about basement. Like, oh, if I have any unfinished room in my house, it's a basement. Can you have an unfinished garage? I mean, maybe it's the cement floor that makes people think basement. Although, uh, you know, did you hmm. ever know anyone with a dirt floor basement? Well, it depends. When I lived in town, <laughs> when I lived in Tallahassee, it's all first. <laughs> What's that? It's not dirt in Tallahassee. It's all mud. It's clay. It's clay. Okay. But this was seemed so strange to me, and this is going to be so difficult to describe. Um, so we were in a uh, a house. We're in a duplex. The duplex is off. Uh, is on a street. The street goes down. From the street, you take steps down into like not a ravine, but it, you go downhill. You walk up to the entrance. There's two two doors for the two du you know the two duplexes. You go in the house, and you're thinking, okay, this is a pretty normal house. You go out back to the back porch where there's steps. You go down the steps. Whoopsie doopsie. There's a lot of the like under house area that's just exposed. And you see the, I don't know, pillars, bollards. I don't know what you call whatever holds a house up. The stilts. And you go, oh, this is actually a little bit more stilty than I realized. You go down the steps. There's an opening. You go into this very loamy. I mean, it smells, it really does smell like clay. And there's an area under the house that was probably never a officially supposed to be for anything even in florida it wouldn't be zoned for life and down there we had a washer and dryer on a concrete apron you stored stuff down there and it would but it was basically a little clay room underneath the house so i've had an exposure to lots of different things that are kind of like a basement and that's, that's why i feel like i have a very european ground. The I have a European idea of a basement. I think no. you have a very stilted, the basement normative idea of what a house does. And frankly, I think it's a little bit shocking that you are so, you know, vociferous about the, defending this really problematic opinion. It's not Basements come at in all. All, all shapes and sizes. They're like families, John. Uh, so speaking of houses in Tallahassee, uh, uh, my aunt lives in Tallahassee uh, in a house on stilts. 
that I think is in a similar situation to what you described because mm-hmm. I've, I've only visited there once, but I've seen pictures of it, but we stayed there like in the you know, same deal. It was on pretty yeah. high stilts. Like it was like more than one story up, but I think they also had a kind of like, well, on, in, amongst the stilts, there is a small amount of space <laughs> on the ground floor, not the basement where yeah. there was some other stuff. But in general, the living space was up on stilts. Yeah, this was like a 300 square foot. Our, our half of the duplex was like, maybe 400 square feet probably 300 square feet for a two-bedroom one bath why, and why and why are they all i'm assuming they're all on stilts in tallahassee because they are slowly sink, sinking into the swamp because they well, one I don't, hopes I don't understand. you get legit, legit according to hoyle legitimately bronchial stilt houses if you go out to like destin or whatever if you get down to the water you know that's oh my god i just realized i had a dream about my old boss last night <sighs> that's so weird um he he lived in a stilt house that was destroyed by every hurricane and you just kept at it. You know, there's always more rum. He, <laughs> our comptroller was a regular Barney Gumble. I don't know why the stilts, I think it's owing to the fact that at least where we were in this sort of, um, our area was developed, the area where I live was mostly developed 30s, 40s, 50s, and was very sort of residential, somewhat suburban, but very residential. But there was a lot of hills. And, um, like I say, I mean, there, it's hills all the way down. There's a, there's, a, there's a hill before you get to our street, from our street down to our front door, there's a hill. Like I say, there's a hill, hill to get down, you know, the house is on these little pseudo stilts. And then furthermore, there was even more of a hill behind us that turned into like a regular hill. So we were like, God, sounds crazy. It sounds like we were in like some kind of like, um, you know, very California kind of side of a mountain place. It wasn't that cool. But we did have a washer and dryer. It smelled really good. It smelled it smelled like the loamy clay, red clay smell, and it smelled like a dryer, which is a nice smell. So I think most people's familiarity with dirt basements would be from horror movies. Because lots of horror movies hmm. feature dirt basements where you go hmm. down into the killer's basement. You, you'll descend a set of stairs, and when you get to the bottom of the stairs, rather than finding a giant concrete slab or a finished rumpus room with wood paneling on the wall, instead mm-hmm. you find dirt. Mm-hmm. Just dirt. Like dirt the, the, and the leather nope. face. <laughs> And then, you know, yeah, someone chained up or whatever. I think that's sure, where sure. most people saw dirt basements. Dirt crawl spaces are more common, but full-fledged dirt oh, basements. John, now, what's a crawl space? I think of a crawl space as being a, an above-the-living-area thing. A crawl space is when you've got a house, and they didn't want to put a basement on the house, but okay. the foundation goes down, you know, uh, enough to support the house, maybe not Oh, and that's where you hide all your dragon fire. And then, so underneath, like, if you were to sort of drill a hole through your through your first-floor floor, Rather sure, than drilling I'll try into it. A, I'll try it. <laughs> rather than drilling into a basement, what you would I drill see. is down for three or four feet and you would just hit the dirt that is under the house. And if you mm-hmm. get into that space between the bottom of your house and the top of the dirt, that is the crawl space. The crawl Sometimes space. Sometimes you'd have a basement that is a full height basement that doesn't that isn't the same size as the house that's above it. And so half of the basement is crawl space and half okay. of the basement is complete basement. Ooh. Oh, that does sound a little bit like Tallahassee. Interesting crawl space. Huh. There's a there's a, there's one aperture in our house that I at least that I know of that I've never opened and I'm kind of saving it. Inside of uh, what we currently call the pantry, which is kind of like just like a middle of the house closet because these houses are weird. Uh there is uh now what I used to now you're gonna probably tell me I'm wrong, what I used to call it what appears to be an attic, which is that there's a panel that a man could fit through where you open up a wood piece thing and then uh, presumably you can go up there and i i think it's not an attic like a finished attic or a dirt attic or a crawl attic but i bet that's how you get to like stuff like get around the house and do i don't know 
conduit things. I don't know, but I've been saving it. And one day I'm going to treat myself and I'm going to say to my kid, today's the day. Let's go up in the ceiling. I'm pretty pumped. We figured this out shortly after we moved into this house by looking at floor plans. We were trying to look at ways to redo the kitchen. We eventually concluded that it's impossible, but uh, (laughs) impossible on any reasonable budget. Um, It's very uneven, that floor. Yeah, everything is. But so looking at the the floor plan of the the first floor and then also the basement, it was clear that because one part of our basement is finished was before we moved in. It's clear that there is a portion of the house, portion of the basement that we have never gotten to because there is a finished wall going straight across. But if you oh look on the floor. Oh my you, God, you should put your Nazi gold in there. If you look on the Why floor above. Why are you not above, in there? If you look at the floor above, you see, oh, there's actually like another two or three feet in like a little bump out. But on oh the basement, God. the finished wall is straight. So there is essentially mm. a, you know, a cavity in our basement where I, I suppose that's where the skeletons or the dead bodies or the, or the gold is. The, the Nazi gold or, or maybe like your maybe your munitions, if you're a prepper. Right. And the other way you can see it is that one of the little basement windows, you know, the little basement uh, like basket windows or whatever. Yeah, I know like what a you little mean. Trench, mm-hmm. Right. That the window that leads to that area is like boarded up. So you can't see through the window <gasps> into that little area. It's super. You might creepy. have a mad woman in there. I mean, no person would fit in there. I think it's only like maybe well, like little. It's like see, inside John, this man. Is, this is the kind of ableism, the casual ableism that you bring to your judgments about basements. Like, what if there's a, like a, 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 a proud mad woman who lives down there and she's just very small and you never even th- think to take her boards off because you're so busy worrying about like who's allowed to have a basement? Well, it's like those people in, with, with New York City apartments who dream that they find like the, the extra storage space or room they've never gone in. We have yep. that, except instead of it being a room, it's like, you know, <laughs> a, a two, two foot wide, uh, you know, six foot long uh, section of unfinished basement that presumably is where all the mice live. But your daughter would probably love to go in there and read a book or find the Nazi gold. That would well, be so fun. It's, it's, uh, it's well, there's up. not any it's... way now because you're being so normative about adding a door to let the woman out. So the, the next people mm-hmm. who own this house can break through that wall with a sledgehammer and discover probably a lot of mouse turds. That's about it. Why wouldn't you do that? Why, why would you withhold that from your family? There's extra house that you've got and you're not, you're not utilizing it. I'm sure we're getting taxed on it, so don't worry. That's fair. <laughs> 